Hi, friends. Welcome to another episode of That Sounds Fun. I'm your host, Annie F. Downs. So happy to be here with you today. The music in the background is from our good buddy, Mr. Torin Wells. Make sure you grab a copy of his album, Citizen of Heaven. We're grateful to get to partner today with our friends over at IJM to bring you today's episode. IJM is a global nonprofit working to end slavery and violence around the world. For example, in Latin America, they help children and women who've survived all kinds of violence and abuse. Y'all hear the stories on Annie and Eddie Keep Talking, but it's just incredible how IJM goes into some of the deepest, cruelest pain in our world, and they bring the full force of the law with them to provide justice and healing. There are countless miracles and amazing partners. And over the last 20 years of hard work, IJM can say for certain hope is possible beyond tragedy when we all come together for good. There are thousands of people that have been rescued. In fact, 50,000 people have been rescued over the last two decades, but there are many more children, men and women who are still waiting for rescue. And you can make a difference in their lives by becoming a Freedom Partner. Freedom Partners give monthly so that IJM can show up month after month to rescue people from slavery and walk with survivors as they heal. Visit IJM.org slash change lives to be a part of this movement for good. Your consistent support will impact the lives of individuals all over the world. So join today at IJM.org slash change lives. Today's episode is really special and exciting and fun, and I cannot wait to tell you everything. So here we go. You may have seen the announcement on social media a couple of weeks ago that we are not only the That Sounds Fun podcast, we are now a That Sounds Fun network as well. So let me tell you about the That Sounds Fun network. First of all, I'll tell you, it does not change That Sounds Fun, the show. It does not change Annie and Eddie Keep Talking. It doesn't change any of the shows we partner with. In fact, That Sounds Fun Network, imagine that we are like an amusement park of podcasts that are created to entertain and impact and help and bless you and the people that you love. So what we want to do is start making a way for other shows to exist, for other podcast hosts to feel like we are working on a team. It won't change any of your listening experience. It just means that there will be more shows that you can listen to that you know have the That Sounds Fun Network stamp of approval. If you trust me with the content I bring here, you can trust the shows on the That Sounds Fun Network. And we mean it when we say you and all the people that you love. We want to build shows for kids. We want to build shows that talk about a lot of different topics. We want to invite other podcasts that you already love and already exist on to the network so that we can help them be able to continue to do their show by offering them advertising partners, but also to give them more audience, to give them people that may not know their show exists, to introduce them to new friends. And so that is really our goal here is we really, really want to see our friends who are podcast lovers who are already That Sounds Fun friends feel like they have other shows that they can trust and listen to and love as well. Today, we get to announce one of the first shows, actually the very first show that will be joining the network that you probably already know and love. And in fact, Emily P. Freeman has already been on the podcast here on the That Sounds Fun show twice. Episode nine, you can back up. She was one of my original friends that I invited on and most recently on episode 131. But she's here today, not only because she's one of my dearest friends, but because her podcast, The Next Right Thing, will be joining the That Sounds Fun Network. Emily and I, and you will hear us talk about this, we have dreamed of figuring out ways to get to work together. And this felt like a really good fit. And so when I was dreaming up the network, 
One of the reasons I dreamed it up is Emily and I had a conversation about how lonely we felt in our work. And creating an amusement park of podcasts gives us a whole bunch of hosts that we can all cheer for each other and celebrate each other and be on the same team. And so I'm very, very excited to announce that Emily is bringing the next right thing onto the That Sounds Fun Network. So today I'm having a conversation with Emily to talk about all things in our friendship, but also what it means to both of us that now we are working together and now we are on the same podcast network. So here's my conversation with my good friend, host of the Next Right Thing podcast and author of the Next Right Thing book, Emily P. Freeman. Emily P. Freeman. NEF Downs. We're just two women who use our middle initial very <laughs> flagrantly around the world. We do. Uh, Annie F. is my girl. <laughs> Emily P. And we both have to because there's another one of both of us. Listen, we could talk about it all day, but there is. I mean, you know, the world is a beautiful and big place. That's right. There's plenty of space for all of us. You just need to know which one you're talking to. That's right. That's the trick. <laughs> Emily, we're going to start on a sad note because that's how I, I love to live as an Enneagram 7. That is my experience of you always. <laughs> For the last decade, Annie, if there's one thing I know of you, she loves sadness. You and I should be packing our suitcases. Listen, to I cannot. Oh, I cannot. Tell, tell the people. So there's a trip to London that Emily and Tish Oxenrider host. Right? And it's two of you? That is the two of us. Yep. And it's called Literary London. And we get to go to all the places where beautiful writing has happened all over. I've heard, I haven't been on the trip. I've heard that's what you see. And I was signed up and we'd all paid our money and we're ready to go. And then COVID-19. COVID-19. Tell me about the day y'all had to decide canceling things. Because that is a side of this sadness I haven't had to experience because I haven't had to be the one to cancel things. You know, it's you ask about the day and it was more like the month because it was really? one of those things where you you see what's happening in the world. And I mean, so many people experience this, right? Like you kind of watch and then you see things start to cancel. And but you look at the calendar and you think, well, there's nothing that's been canceled far as far out as our thing yet. So we're going to hold yeah. off. And it's I think it was when they canceled the Olympics, <laughs> which is, yeah. you know, I think it's the same week that we had planned to be gone or, or overlapped somehow. That's when Tish, yeah. Tish and I were like, eh, okay, I feel like probably. And the other thing is, you know, you're talking mm. international travel and we know how things are here, but we don't know, don't know how things will be there. And, right. and then there were things that we would want, we wanted to, that we go to every year that were closed and we had no idea about when they would open. Back oh, like up. places you visit yes. when you're there that are yes, closed. That's right. And so ah, it was like, okay. okay, this is starting to be made for us. So we had lots of conversations back and forth and um, yeah, had, I think we, we probably waited to the point where it became like it, it, like the choice was made for us, which I would say was an easier way to go. Cause then we didn't second guess ourselves, but it didn't make it any less sad. Yeah. Yeah. Tell me your favorite thing that we would have seen. Well, I'd like to say we'll still see it because I want to think the okay. trip's not totally canceled. It's just postponed till By later a year. Date. Yeah, <laughs> it's, fine. it's fine. It's fine. It's a lifetime. Right. Well, one of my favorite days is the day that we go to visit where Jane Austen grew up um, and where she oh. lived. And wh I know that's what I just said with my mouth hole. I said it. 
And right. it's just, and I actually, right now I'm staring at a photo I took standing on the land where she ran and played as a child. And I have it in front of my, on my desk. And I look at it every single day because it reminds me of how just extraordinary work can come from the most ordinary places. And her, the landscape of where she grew up really looks very much the same because it's still trees and grass. And it looks a lot like North Carolina, honestly, where I live. And so that's a real, it's just kind of a symbolic thing that you're going to see with us one day, but just not this summer. Oh, yeah, man, we've talked. Jane Austen has been a little bit of a star in the spring of this podcast. I know, right? Because <laughs> I did a whole episode with Karen Swallow Pryor, and we talk a lot about Jane Austen, obviously, because she's a you know English literature professor. And she told me to get the book Praying with Jane. Have you heard of this? I have a book. Yes, I've heard of it, but I don't have that book. But I do have a little book that I got in England called The Prayers of Jane Austen, and it, uh-huh. but it's it's probably much smaller than the book that you have. Have you read it yet? Yes. What did you think? Like, what's her, when you read her prayers, because I haven't, I literally got praying with Jane in the mail this actual day. This actual day? And so day. I haven't, it's a 31 day devotional. I'm going to start it maybe tomorrow. I don't know. Nice. I can get crazy like that. But so I haven't even cracked it. So tell me what you learned about Jane Austen from reading her prayers. Well, I would just say that I feel like her prayers feel extremely formal <laughs> compared to like, <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. for example, my prayers. But I just I just think that it I don't know that there's a lot that's I, I could be wrong, but I haven't read a lot from yeah. Jane Austen, like about her faith. And so it was just it's kind of a sweet, thoughtful expression of a depth that it seems like she must have mm. had. Yeah. But and also they're very um lyrical prayers in my experience. Really? Yeah. Well of course. She just has that in her. She does, right? Yeah. One of the things Karen and I talked about was what it'll be like to get to heaven and like get to have tea with Jane Austen. Listen. <laughs> Can you just imagine? I just I can't wait. cannot imagine. I know. Yeah. So her where she lives is one of your favorite things you see. In London. Okay. It was. And I think part of it was just that it seemed almost familiar, which that sounds mm-hmm. weird. But I think that's why is because it was just so kind of ordinary and, and approachable. But then it's like Jane Austen, you know? Sure. It's like this- but Emily, what's true about you that I've known since we met a bazillion years ago is you always notice the extraordinary in the middle of the ordinary. Like you, you have an eye for that. Have you trained yourself to see normal things as extra beautiful or were you born that way? (laughs) I would like to think that I have been so intentional as to have trained myself, as you say, but I don't know, Annie, that's, that's actually something I'll have to think about. I don't know, but I do feel like that's probably true. I mean, I do think that I, maybe it's just my, you know, wanting to see extraordinary things. Maybe I have just fooled you all into thinking that I'm actually (laughs) seeing things that way, but I don't know. I don't know. I mean, it's been a, it's a, it's what your Tuesday book is about. Simply Tuesday. That's true. Yeah, that's true. I mean, it's a million a million little things, a million little ways. Uh huh. ABC, ABC oh really wrecked me because they have a, a TV show called A Million Little Things. And Emily, I wrote, everyone's I wrecked forever. you. Let's just call it. Everyone's <laughs> wrecked you because ABC <laughs> did A Million Little Things. Yeah, they did. And your book is A Million Little Ways. ways. Mm-hmm. And therefore, my brain doesn't know anything. I know. Number two, your book and your podcast are called The Next Right Thing. That's right. And also, what else happened? 
What? <laughs> tell us what else happened. Well, let me tell you a little story about a, a cartoon. <laughs> about two sisters. <laughs> two sisters who lived in the land of... No, I, I'll tell you when I got that first, the very first Instagram DM I got in the fall of 2019 that was like, Emily, did you know that Frozen 2 has a song? called the next right thing. And I did not know because they were yeah. the first person who DM me was like a, you know, they released like a little teaser of the songs sure. that are going to be in the movie, like months ahead of time. That was the first, that was the only time I heard it the first time. And then Annie, let me tell you. That's the only time I heard it the first time. Because let me tell <laughs> that you. That is true many, about everything. <laughs> but let me tr- tell you how many people thought they were the first person telling me. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. I still get it sometimes. And Do you? Not as often, but it's, I mean, it's, it's really kind of fun. Honestly, I joke about it, but it's kind of fun because people are excited. So like, oh my gosh, did you know that there's this cartoon called Frozen 2 where Kristen Bell sings a song called The Next Right Thing. And it was, it's really fun. It was really fun to go see the movie. And just in all honesty, some people ask like, did they, do you know Kristen Bell? Do you know the writers of that song? It's like, listen, Mm. everyone, I did not come up with the phrase, just do the next right thing. Um, It's been said and passed down by many, many a people much smarter than I am for much longer than I've been alive. However, I would like to think that I have helped bring it into the public awareness um, more yeah. in the last couple of years. But now it's like with this, with this, with Princess Anna singing it, there's this whole new generation of small people who doing the next right thing is going to be a regular practice. It's going to be a common right. phrase that they get to hold on to. And what a gift. I absolutely love that. It just makes me laugh. I had a similar experience when Hamilton announced that they would be available. It would be available on Disney Plus on July 3rd. Yeah, I mean, my internet blew up and I was like, yeah, thank you guys so much. Uh-huh. Also, I know, like <laughs> I follow them on everything, but, but thank you because I do want people to tell me when they think of something. Oh, like same. I want them Great. to tell me. Yes. But it also, it is the same laughing of like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. You're the, you, you've told, you told me three other times. Right. Yes. Yeah. I love it. I, it is. <laughs> it makes me very happy. And so next, right. So everybody keeps scalping your ideas, Emily, is what I'm here to say. All my ideas. That's the moral of the story, right? <laughs> is that I have all the ideas and just people are taking and them. Everyone takes them. <laughs> Emily, my favorite Insta story of the hand to heaven of the entire quarantine was your husband, John, going through his old baseball cards, making your whole family watch it. Listen, Annie, it came to that. <laughs> that is what it has come to. Please tell me you saved that as a highlight. Did you? I don't think I did, but I can. I can. Please make that a highlight. We all just need to watch again your entire family watching John go through baseball cards from the 90s. And it was and it and it wasn't just that, but it was that it was the seriousness with which he explained what the whole thing was about, as if it was this new thing he'd made up (laughs) collecting baseball cards. (laughs) And I don't think I realized how funny it was until I watched the story and saw it through regular people's eyes. And then I was like, oh, this is ridiculous and so entertaining. Oh, it was so entertaining. Will you talk about the part, which of your girls ate a piece of gum? That was Ava. Ava ate a piece of the gum. Because, you know, back in the day, maybe still, they... Baseball card packs come with gum, which I remember chewing yeah, when I was same. little. And it was bad then. And so 35 years later, can you imagine? She put that gum in her mouth and then spit it out about as fast. How so, fat was it so fast? It was pretty it was pretty fast. It was pretty, pretty bad, evidently. <laughs> Go figure. I couldn't believe it. When you panned over to her, I was like, this girl is about to eat this gum. And sure enough, she just did. She did it. She sure did. 
<laughs> Did y'all ever end up finding the baseball card that because John was looking for one, right? Oh, oh, Annie. Not only did he find the one he was looking for, he found four copies of the one <gasps> he was looking for. No way. Yeah, I think. And it what was, are they? Was it Greg Maddox? It was no. Tom Glavin. Tom Glavin. Okay. Yeah. And by the way, a reader or a watcher, an Instagram watcher, comment like sent me a DM and said that she pinged his wife. <laughs> Like it's told him about Tom Glavin's wife. Yes, about Chum's <laughs> baseball card story. And then what happened, Emily? And then nothing. That's that's where the story ends. It's unfortunate. I mean, she wrote the late. She wrote her back. It was like, oh, I'll have to check out that Instagram story, but it was already expired by then. It was a whole thing. So, but right, like tell tell fourteen year old John that one day Tom Glavin's wife was gonna maybe kind of peripheral know about him. <laughs> right. And therefore, Tom Glavin probably knows he exists. Right. I probably mean, know John exists. They're practically best friends now. Yeah, yeah. That's what I'm here to say. Their mm-hmm. friendship. Their friendship is inspiring. <laughs> Tell me y'all's experience. You're one of my friends who has teenagers. A lot of my friends have younger kids, but your kids are all teenagers, right? Isn't that's Luke right. a teenager by now? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Quarantining for a lot of days. Nobody's in school. Three teenagers in your house. Tell me about it. Quarantine teenagers. Um, <laughs> I did say that. I did. That's what it has come it. to. Um, you know, they have been remarkably great with it compared to how I would have been when I was their age. One of our girls got her driver's license literally the day before school was canceled forever. And so it was like she oh just gosh. got her license and then there was no place to go because everything yes. was closed and you couldn't see anyone. Um, but the good thing about it is Every night, it's like every day is the same day over and over again, right? But every yep. night after dinner, the, the kids go for a drive. Like without us, they just go around and they drive and then they come back home. They don't go anywhere, but they just mm. kind of drive around. Yeah. And I think that's been fun for them because it's kind of been a new thing because that's not, they were never able to do that before. So definitely that's helped, I think, to save their sanity. But um, yeah. Does it's Luke ride challenge. along with them or just the girls? He does maybe maybe like 25% of the time he'll go with yeah. them. He's yeah. almost 14. They're 16. So they're close in age, but, you know, there's still enough difference there to where they're kind of like, okay, bye. Right. <laughs> I mean, what, what kind of, especially when this started, what kind of things were you having to disciple them through? Like, what kind of language were you having to use to explain what was going on? I could barely explain it to myself. I have no idea how you explain it to teenagers. That's a great, that's actually a great question. I feel like at first we all were just kind of experiencing that together and talking about it together. And I think that is the benefit of our kids being older is if they were, I mean, like you, I have a lot of friends who have smaller children and that would have been really hard because it's like, why can't I have a play date with this part. Like they don't, you can't reason maybe as much with smaller kids, but with our kids, I think that them watching the news with us and us having conversations like that to get them kind of on board with like, you know, a pandemic is kind of something we've never done before. So we have to be extra careful. And I think they just accepted it early on that, that, you know, kind of like, let's protect Nana and stay Mm -hmm. home. And I think that kind of putting it in that kind of a perspective really made it easier to talk about. And just, I'll tell you though, I for, I just forgot or didn't realize how many decisions we used to make all the time every day about like where they could go and when they had to come back and if they could go to this place and, and if they could go with this person. And oh, now like none of those decisions are on our plate right now because they just can't go anywhere. And so yeah. 
that's been an interesting kind of break. <laughs> There's other decisions yeah. we're making that are new, but those are not a part of the equation as much anymore. Or at least Can for you a think time. up a new one? I'd be interesting. Like, is there a new one that is it a screen time thing or what's some new ones? It's one of it is um, what time should they wake up? Because oh, sure, their schooling is not like you know, it's all kind of self school. So as long as they turn it in by midnight or whatever, it, it, it's not like they have to get up at 9am. And so yeah. for a while, they were getting up earlier because they were used to it. But now it's like, oh, it's lunchtime. Where are yeah. our children? They <laughs> are not here. Um, so it's like, am I like the mom who just like, it's like, whatever, they'll get their work done. Or am I the mom who is like, okay, everyone, you need to go to the table and get your work done. But like, yeah. I don't want to really be that mom. And they're pretty independent. So that's been a decision that we've kind of gone back and forth with. And then even there are some friends and this comes back around where it's like, okay, we've all been quarantining for eight weeks and that, well, mom, this friend's been quarantining too. So if we've all been isolating, then can't we hang out together now? Like those kinds of rationales, which I totally get, but it's like every day, like some of those questions are being asked. I mean, we are getting to a point now where it's been months and it is harder to to stay in. It is. It's just harder to stay in for me. It's harder to stay in. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I, and here's a funny thing, Emily, my friends on the podcast have heard me talk about this. The County right below us, like eight minutes from where I am is all the way open. What? And so you can drive down there and get your nails done or get your hair done. Yeah. But where I live, you can't, but it's eight minutes away. So what's the right thing? Like, What's the right thing? What is the right? That is. I drive down there to eat at a restaurant I want to eat at on an in the normal world because it's not available to me in Davidson County. Right. Well, do you have to wear masks and stuff when you go in? Is it like open? Like no restrictions? No, no, no. it's still masks. Yeah, it still has restrictions. They just are farther ahead in opening than where I live. Right, right, right. What do you do about that? I mean, you go get your nails done. (laughs) It depends on how bad they were. I I know. I know. It is very strange. So it just feels like we're making all sorts of decisions. What's been what's been the best part to you of being home this much? Well, I will tell you, there is, I really thrive in being home. Yeah. <laughs> um, and in kind of and having- you work a, from home normally, right? I work from home normally. And I talk with Laura Tremaine about this some, because we went back and forth. It's like, I've worked from home for all these years. Why is this so hard? Like, this yeah. should be easy for me. And I think I had a weird expectation on myself. Like, oh, now I'm in my sweet spot. The whole world has- has come mm. to a halt, but we can keep going. And it's like, no, this is, there's more happening here psychologically yeah. and physically than like I've given it credit for at first. Now I understand that ish, but I think at first I was like, why do I feel so cloudy? But I think yeah. the best part has been, I mean, there has definitely been some slowing down of like all the activities. And while I know that's not everybody's story, um, I think in the evenings for us, the evenings feel way calmer because normally our evenings would be practice and this and an assembly and then run here and it is a meeting and none Mm -hmm. of that's happening. So Mm -hmm. I've just chosen to enjoy that part of it. Um, But then I also miss that part of it in some ways, because then you got to see people and you got to celebrate things. And I think that's been hard. And I think another part that's been nice is my work. Like I just said, I have teenagers who sleep till like noon, so I can get up at six and work 
straight uninterrupted because yeah. I used to have to, if I got up at six, I'd have to stop 30 minutes and like make lunches and drive people to school and, you know, have that interrupted yeah. time. So now it's kind of, I can work straight through, but that's also not such a great thing because I can work straight through. So then right. who's to stop me? Right. Like right. where's the natural ending of the work? Well, yes. dinner, I don't know. Right. I, I mean, I have said to people, I feel like I've worked harder and longer in the quarantine than I normally do. Same. Yep. Me too. There just is. It's a very strange. Um, we're very grateful to have jobs because yes. there are people who don't. Absolutely. But it has also been a weird still learning what rest looks like and we're learning what, yeah, what chill looks like. <laughs> like how what, to have what is a, that word? Break. Can you I know. spell that word for me? <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> I know. I know. But your podcast has just kept on rolling. Yeah. My podcast has kept on rolling. And I'll tell you, that's actually been a real gift because it's kind of been like a fixed point in the midst of a lot of uncertainty of knowing like, you know what, no matter what, every week I'm gonna make that podcast episode. It might not be great, but it's going to be made. Hey, friends, just interrupting this conversation with Emily about the next right thing and that that sounds fun network to tell you about our friends over at She Reads Truth. You know how much I love those girls and that place. Listen, can I be honest with you? Reading my Bible every day can be overwhelming. Y'all know we've talked about it. And there are days where I honestly just feel stuck. And that's why I'm so grateful for my friends at She Reads Truth because they provide me a plan to be a woman in the Word of God every day. They've got all sorts of digital and printed resources to help you spend time in scripture, but my personal favorite are their study books. Y'all know it. Not only are these books so beautifully designed, but they are packed full of theological extras, which I love, that invite you deeper into God's Word. I personally can't wait to dive into their upcoming summer study, Men and Women in the Word, New Testament. Y'all, for starters, the book's gorgeous. But it is also packed. It's packed full of cool stuff. I'm so stoked about it. Our friends at She Reads Truth want to equip you to be a woman in the Word of God every day. So they're giving you an exclusive discount of 25% off your next purchase when you use the code FUN25. So head over to shopshereadstruth.com and use the code FUN25. I'd particularly suggest the summer study, but just... Just load up on everything you want for this summer, for gifts, for back to school, all the things. Fun 25 at shopshereadstruth.com. And now back to the show. Will you tell me a little bit of your process? I've never asked you this. All of yours are transcripted. And I'm my thought on your process is, do you write it first and, and say exactly what you want to say and then you record it? That's what I do, Annie. I pretty much, I pretty much write it all, not, not maybe word for word exactly, but pretty close. And so for me, the work is in the crafting of like, is in writing. Cause I feel like I'm a writer. That's kind of, I'm a writer first. And that's what my expression is much natural. As you can tell, by the way, I'm fumbling over my words right now. (laughs) If I could have scripted this conversation, Annie, it would have been much (laughs) Annie, here's what you'll say. And then here's what I'm going to (laughs) say. Here's your part. Yeah. So I will write it out and kind of like, and I mean, I know like when I get to about between 1500 and 2200 words, that's an episode for me. Oh, Um, wow. You've learned it. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's about the same and they're short, they're shorter episodes. And so, uh, 
yeah, I will write it out. And then the easy part is I get to turn on the microphone and say the words. And that's then I feel yeah. like I'm talking to my friends. You know, then it's yeah. like, okay, now I'm free to express because I, I have this outline of what I'm going to say and I and I'm able to just, you know, say the words. Um, and I really enjoy that part. And listen, I even right now talking to you, like I'm talking with my hands as if we were in yes. the room together. Yes. And when I record podcast episodes in my little closet, I always feel so silly because I'm like moving my hands around and like yes. talking like a person. I'm like, what, what is this life <laughs> like that we're living? <laughs> Every time I say, well, I got dressed like a person and uh-huh. people are like, what are you talking about? And I'm like, Emily Freeman has done this to me. <laughs> She's so the one who told me to say like a person. <laughs> it's a thing, but you know, the diff, like everybody knows what yes. we mean, right? When yes. A hundred percent. Um, Emily, can we tell everybody our exciting news? I mean, I've, I feel like that's a great idea. Since we're talking podcasts, let us announce now that you are joining the That Sounds Fun Network. Annie, that sounds so fun. <laughs> I'm so excited. I've like, how many times have we dreamed up ways to get to work together? I feel like that this is a good thing because otherwise we might have like gone on a, you know, gone on tour being clowns or something. So it's a good thing we found (laughs) something respectable to do together. (laughs) You're welcome, world. You're welcome. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Tell me what about joining a network sounded fun to you, really? Like what about getting on a team changes your experience of being a podcast host? That's such a great question. I'll tell you nothing about joining a network sounded fun until I talked to you because I would never, I never really considered that before. That wasn't really part of my one year plan, five year plan, any year plan. Um, But it really, what it really came about, I mean, such a human story, right? It really came about for me from a kind of a period of loneliness of feeling like, man, we're doing this work. And I know friends who do this work. There are other people in this business who I can call if I have a question or, but when it comes to the doing of the work, like the day in and day out of it, there's like a real, there can be a real loneliness aspect to it that I think we all understand, but also it doesn't make it any easier just because it's common. And Mm -hmm. so I think that's kind of where I was in my headspace um, back when, you know, before you and I started talking about this and I'll tell you, I don't think I've told you this part yet, but my word for this year was, is the word welcome. And I don't usually choose a word for the year. Like I've really never done that formally, but I just thought, you know what, this year, um, last year or the year before it was the word collaborate, which that word scares me. It's always scared me. I don't know why we can talk about it later. I'm sure there's a therapy (laughs) session in there somewhere, but coming off the heels of collaboration and that being something that I really wanted to carry with me and bring into my work even more. And then with this idea of welcome, like welcome experiences and welcome things that come my way and be willing to lean in, even if it might feel a little scary. And then when I shared with you about kind of feeling lonely and, you know, kind of experiencing that in my work, um, and then you and I started talking about this idea. It just it just all seemed to really fit together in a way that I didn't even know to ask for. But I do feel yeah. like it was a real answer for me, um, both of prayer and also just of a, a question mark maybe that I had in my work that I didn't think would be resolved in this way, but I think is really a fun way. Didn't mean to bring that word fun back in, but there you go. You're welcome. A lot. You're welcome. <laughs> I mean, well, and I'll tell you, I'm not sure I've told you this personally either. I mean, you were one of the reasons this even became an option to me. Oh, tell me more. Yeah. I just thought when you and I first talked about that and we talked, I mean, we weren't even talking about working together in podcasts. We were literally having a conversation about how lonely we felt in our work. Yes. Right. And what that meant for how it affected our work. And I thought, 
you know what? I do actually like doing this everything better with friends. I thought, how do we podcast with friends? And I was like, well, what if we just made a network and we just brought our friends on the network and so it is. <laughs> and so really, and so it is our conversation. I mean, I, I am not about creating things just to create them. I'm about problem solving. Right. I want to make something that solves a problem. And to me, this network solved a problem for you and I. And then we just get to invite other friends along as they as they want to listen along and other shows as they are created. Which is one of my favorite things about you, Annie, to Annie F. Downs is because I feel like that you, you do move towards solution. It's like, let's be, let's be real. And there's space for that confession of loneliness, for example, but then you're like, let's go make some art. Let's make something Mm -hmm. happen. And I Mm -hmm. love that. And I love to partner with people who are like that. You've always been a friend like that for me. Well, I think it'll be really fun. I think it's, it's, well, thank you as well. That was very kind of you. And I feel the same. I mean, we are, you know, one of the fun things is as people have found out about this, we hear about more and more podcasts that exist. And it it feels very similar to the That Sounds Fun show where I'm like, my gosh, that's a great podcast. I don't know that person. And Mm -hmm. I don't, you know, like, and there's somewhere there, you know, friend to friend that we're getting to be introduced, but I'm like, now nah, we're starting this thing with my closest people, with mm-hmm. Emily, with Dave and John, with Eddie, and some of the other ones we're developing that we can't talk about yet. But you're like, man, this is, this is our friends. <laughs> like I'm getting to do this with my friends. Yeah. Yeah. And that's fun. That does yeah. sound fun. It's really fun. And you and I both are publishing books with the same publisher. It so just keeps that's going to all, all the connections. I just follow you everywhere. I was like, uh, can I <laughs> uh, come over here? Uh, is Emily? Hi. I was just coming over. Is Emily? Okay. Can Emily that's come how, yeah. If we were teenagers, that's how I would have only gone to a party is like, yeah, yeah, I'm on my way. Hey, Emily, are you already there yet? Do you want to like ride together? Should we like show up at this? I'll wait in my car until you get here. That's pretty oh. much what I've done with being on a network. I've waited in my car until you got here. And now we're going into the party. oh why does that make me want to tear up (laughs) that's very true and one of the other things that matters to me when we're building this network is we want some diverse experiences from diverse voices and you offer that to that sounds fun listeners because because of the shape of your show will you talk a little bit about what the next right thing show is and kind of what your ethos is behind how you make each episode Well, let's talk about Oprah because Oprah, isn't that what you expect me to say? Yep. When I, when Oprah talked about, you know, her show and listen, I grew up on some Oprah, like Uh we came home from school and we turn on Oprah at four o'clock every day after school, four o'clock Oprah. And I watched it with my mom and we had our after school snack and it's before I had to do homework and it was like a whole lifestyle. Right. And then when she stopped the show and started the network, her own network, they, they kind of had expectations for how it was going to go, but then they realized like, Oh, actually we didn't realize we had, yes, we had developed people who loved Oprah and wanted to follow Oprah, but also they had created a four o'clock habit for a culture of people. Like we had a four o'clock habit, right? Yes. And so when I thought about that concept, because she's brilliant, right? And I think about that yeah. idea, bringing it down into like for what was for me, my small, small corner of the world, um, I wanted to develop kind of a Tuesday habit for people um, mm-hmm. in a very, very small way. I know you and I have some, we can we can duke it out about Tuesdays if it's cute, if it's simple, <laughs> I don't know. It can be both. We can talk about it Most later. Tuesdays are great. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but we'll have to have a hashtag duke out, but. That's right. But I just love this idea of 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 having Tuesday be kind of like a fixed point in the week 
for people yeah. to have 15 minutes. It's just a very short show. Um, and it's just me. I don't really do many interviews every now and then there's an interview, but usually not, um, of just a reminder of, you know what, if you are someone who struggles with, um, chronic hesitation or decision fatigue, here's 10 to 15 minutes every week you can count on where there will be just some reflection, a, a little story and a simple next right thing to practice that week. And that's mm. kind of the shape of the show. And really, it's just me saying words like a person yes, <laughs> um, and sharing a story. Or, but it's always with this idea of, you know what, you don't have to figure out your five-year plan right now. You don't have to, yeah. if you're feeling stuck, you don't have to know what the next 10 steps are to take. You just have to know the next right thing. And sometimes the next right thing is just like, go take a walk around the block, brush your teeth, heat up your coffee. Like it doesn't have to be fancy, but that's really kind of what the heartbeat is behind the show. And you're just more contemplative than I am as a person and as a a show. Your show just has that. I mean, you're a spiritual director. You're trained in it. You have a master's degree, right? I have a master's in spiritual formation. Yes, I do. And so that, that depth is in every episode of like, this isn't just a person writing things. This is a person who is trained on how to help us be directed spiritually. Honestly, it's in every episode. I like, I don't go on walks and listen to you. I sit and listen to you (laughs) because I need to make myself stop and think while I'm doing it. Yeah, that's good. So, um, well, you know what we're going to do? We, you, you, you know, the last question I always ask is still going to be true, but, uh, we are going to let everybody hear an episode right now of the next right thing. That does sound fun. I can't stop. I can't stop with that. It's hard. So we'll let them hear it now. And then you and I will come back and talk about what sounds fun to you. That's great. I'm Emily P. Freeman and welcome to the next right thing. You're listening to episode 111. This is a podcast about making decisions, but also about making a life. Many of the decisions we make are second nature. Well, I'm here for the ones that aren't. Some of the choices we have to make in life are just flat out difficult. Others we think should be easy, but for some reason they trip us up. We all want to make our choices with wisdom, courage, and discernment. Weekly, we talk here about one way to do that well, and today's no different. In fact, here at the beginning of the new year, it seemed fitting to come back home to one of the most foundational truths I hold on to when making my own decisions. On the surface, it may not sound like it has to do with decision-making at all, but, well, it does. Listen in. Author, teacher, and philosopher Dallas Willard said six words that have changed the way I make decisions. You may already know what those six words are, but first, a bit of context. I consider it a gift that I grew up hearing about the goodness of God. My mom taught us when we were very small that God loves us and He's good. Over the course of my life, I confess I've doubted certain things about God and His character, mainly about His provision, His timing, and sometimes His trustworthiness, but I would never say I doubted His goodness. You might think I'm contradicting myself, and I probably am, but I'm just telling you how it's looked from where I sit. Your story is, I'm sure, quite different from mine. Or maybe you can also relate with knowing or thinking and believing that God is good, but also doubting Him in other ways. No matter where you are in your own faith journey, those six words, the ones I referred to before from Dallas Willard, have the potential to challenge even the most faithful among us. So what are those six words? Never believe anything bad 
about God. As I said before, I've always believed God is good, but I've also believed bad things about him. Essentially, Dallas was saying God is not only good, he's also not bad. I can't explain why that turn of phrase changed things for me. I can only tell you that it did. When we consider the kinds of decisions we're faced with every day, some are decisions of privilege and preference, like what's the best way to celebrate our anniversary? Or should we get another dog? These are important decisions and can actually cause quite a bit of daily pressure if they linger unmade for too long. Just because something is fun and enjoyable doesn't mean the decisions surrounding it are always fun and enjoyable. Don't discount the weight of happy things. Of course, you may also have more complex decisions, though, like which of these five highly qualified people should I hire? Or how do I parent my teenage son or daughter? Is it time to retire? Should we look for a new church? Do we say yes to foster care? What's the best home for my aging parent? The questions we're carrying are endless, and there will not be a time in our lives where we have no more need for discernment. But one of the most foundational influences on our decision-making that lingers beneath the surface is what we believe about God. Because as I've shared with you from my own life, what we say we believe and what we actually believe don't always match up. Something else Dallas Willard said a lot was that we always live what we believe. We just don't always live what we profess we believe. I professed I believed God is good. Yet I often made and still sometimes make decisions believing bad things about him. What kinds of bad things? Well, there have been times in my life where I've pictured God as an angry teacher, disappointed that I can't get it right. I've pictured him as a distant relative, family, yes, but not directly invested. So how does the way we picture God influence our decision-making? I talk about this in chapter four of my book, The Next Right Thing, and I'll repeat it here. If I believe God is distant, I'll feel alone and untethered in my decision-making. If I believe God is a scolding parent, I may delegate decisions to someone else so I can avoid the consequence. If I believe God is wimpy, maybe I can manipulate him into doing whatever I want. If I believe God is indifferent, then he probably doesn't care what happens one way or another. If I believe God is like a carnival barker presenting three cups, I'll feel cheated or duped when he forces me to guess which one is hiding my right answer. Is God like a puppeteer? a kind old grandfather, an abusive parent, an insecure friend, a greedy king, a manipulative mother, or a golden retriever? Has he chosen a number between one and ten and is just waiting to see how close we'll get? Is he standing in the corner of the room with his arms crossed and his eyebrows raised? Does he roll his eyes, turn his back, or slam the door when I make a bad decision? How we answer these questions will determine how we live our lives. And how we live our lives is really a series of decisions. So yes, how we see God is relevant to the decisions we make about schooling, parenting, money, vocation, marriage, and friendship, and everything else. We're always telling ourselves a story. The question is, is the story true? As you consider your next right thing, what if you started with the decision to never believe anything bad about God? He will not shame you belittle or abuse you. He will not trick or tease you. He will not laugh at or make fun of you. He will not talk about you behind your back, stab you in the back, or tell you to be more like your sister. He will not cheat on or betray you. His eyes are not narrowed at you. His ears are not closed to you. 
His nose is not turned up at you, his hands are not harsh with you, and you do not leave a bad taste in his mouth. From a Psalm of David, chapter 23, in the Message Translation, God, my shepherd, I don't need a thing. You have bedded me down in lush meadows. You find me quiet pools to drink from. True to your word, you let me catch my breath and send me in the right direction. Even when the way goes through Death Valley, I am not afraid when you walk at my side. Your trusty shepherd's crook makes me feel secure. You serve me a six-course dinner right in front of my enemies. You revive my drooping head. My cup brims with blessing. Your beauty and love chase after me every day of my life. I'm back home in the house of God for the rest of my life. This is the word of the Lord. It's absolutely true and given to us in love. Thanks be to God. Thanks for listening to episode 111 of The Next Right Thing. I hope this simple habit of never believing anything bad about God can be just one more rung on the trellis upon which your rhythm of life can continue to grow. Because it's true that this is a podcast about making decisions, you know the bigger truth is that our daily decisions are actually making our lives. As always, you can find me at emilypfreeman.com as well as on Instagram or Twitter at emilypfreeman. If you want a transcript of this episode and you want to read it, over and over again, well, those and all other transcripts are available at thenextrightthingpodcast.com. Well, instead of a quote this time, I'm going to leave you with a question to carry with you into your next right thing. Here's the question. When you close your eyes and imagine God, what is the first thing you see? Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next time. Emily, I love that one. I love them all, but I love that one. Thank you for the work you're doing to help me. I mean, genuinely, just think of the next right thing. That's this is really fun. No, I love it. It is such an honor to be here and to this is so fun to have this conversation. I love it every minute of it. So, uh, Emily, that means as of today, we are announcing you're on the network. The first show besides that sounds fun, the flagship show and any Eddie, keep talking. And now you. Yay. So everybody needs to go listen. Okay. The last question we always ask, Emily, because the show and the network, to be fair, is called That Sounds Fun. Tell me what you do for fun. Well, I'll tell you what sounds fun right now is just being in a room with friends because it's been, I know. it feels like it's been 25 years. Can you imagine the day? That sounds really oh, when fun. It's just, when it is just like allowed. When it's what just allowed. You, yeah. Do you want to be, what kind of room do you want to be in? Do you want to be in Michael Lynn's barn that she has? Do you want to be in a restaurant? Do you want to be at church? Like what's the first room you want to go to? I honestly kind of just pictured people in my house eating okay. Mexican food and like being in close proximity without masks on. That's kind of what I pictured when I said those yeah. words. Okay. Well, we can hope for that. I don't know when that will be. <laughs> I don't know when. It does, it does sound very fun. There will You're be a 100% day. Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Emily, I love you. Thank you for joining the network. Thanks for being a part of this new dream with me. And thanks for the work you do. I just am I, I wouldn't have even I wouldn't have even dreamed we'd get to do this. And I'm I'm just so grateful. I love it. I love you too, Annie. Thank you so much. 
All right, friends, isn't she the best? And isn't this fun? Oh, my gosh. I'm so, so excited. I hope you're picturing in your head what we're building here, this amusement park that has a lot of different podcasts. And what you'll see over the next few months as we release the shows that we're partnering with and as the website gets finished, you'll see that we have a diverse list of shows with diverse hosts that we really hope you'll find fun, entertaining, and interesting. If you have not subscribed to Emily's show, The Next Right Thing, I would highly suggest it. There's a link in the show notes, or you can just search for The Next Right Thing and make sure you've subscribed to that. Also, if you haven't read Emily's book, The Next Right Thing, I would really suggest it. It is excellent. And we are so, so excited to have Emily on the That Sounds Fun Network. Make sure you give her a follow and tell her welcome and how excited we are to get to all be one big happy group of friends at a podcast amusement park. (laughs) It's like a Dollywood, you guys, but I'm not as good at cinnamon bread. (laughs) Hey, Emily and I continued our conversation over at YouTube, so make sure you hop over there, youtube.com slash Annie F. Downs TSF, and you can check out our conversation continuing. Hey, if you need anything else from me, you know I'm embarrassingly easy to find. Annie F. Downs on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all the places. You may need me. That is how you can find me. And if you get a chance to take that podcast survey, it would mean a ton. AnnieFDowns.com slash survey. And I think that's it for me today, friends. Go out and do something or stay home and do something that sounds fun to you. I'll do the same. We will see you back here on Monday. Y'all have a great weekend.